Well, I recognize that we have a lot of visitors in the house this weekend, and I, I want to say welcome. And for those of you that may not be aware of how our student ministry program runs, these students are paired with now seniors in high school. And some of these leaders have, in fact, not just been with your grandkids or your nieces and nephews or your kids for this year, but in fact, they've been with them for three, four, sometimes even up to five years. And these seniors in particular, the seniors at Edina this weekend, fell uh, victim to a pretty unfortunate series of timing on our behalf. Uh, You might notice that I'm wearing a tuxedo, and uh, that's not by accident. We actually ended up scheduling this weekend on the same weekend as their senior prom. So last night, we were decked out in in prom dresses and tuxedos together, and so I promised them when we found out that I I would sport a tuxedo for them all weekend long, and so seniors, this tuxedo is in fact for you. From time to time, I run across things, whether I'm driving around or watching the news, seeing a movie that, that seem a little out of date. I look at them and I scratch my head and I think to myself, really? It's, it's 2012. What are, you, what are you doing? Maybe you've been to Pennsylvania or down south and, and you've seen one of these on the roads. Not the most efficient mode of transportation. Or students, I don't even know if you're going to know what this next thing is, but this is called a pager. And when I was your age, I had one of these, and I I clipped it to my belt, and this thing, people would call it, and it would buzz with a phone number. And then I would go to a payphone. Do you know even about payphone? You put quarters in it, and you dial the number, and I'd have to call these people back. Or who could forget Zubas? And as I look at those, I get so excited, because you know that they will come back soon. They'll come full circle, and, and they'll be back. And while we're out in the world and we see these things sometimes that seem outdated, seem irrelevant, I think in church, and as I stick my nose in the Word, and as I read the Old Testament stories and and hear the writings of the New Testament, I I see things that seem a little outdated to me as well. This morning I want to talk a little bit about the idea of submission. This concept where, where we would yield ourselves to the power of an authority. The idea that we would allow ourselves to be subject to some sort of a a treatment or even maybe defer to someone else's judgment or opinion or decision. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul urges believers, he urges the church to give thanks to God as we submit to one another out of reverence for Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you, but that sounds awful to me. Because here's the problem, at the end of the day, outdated or relevant, I want to do what I want to do. I love myself way more than I love anyone else in this room. My thoughts sound really great to me. And I'm not a betting man, but it is the weekend of the Kentucky Derby, so I would bet that there might be one or two of you in this room that shares similar sentiments. Maybe you hate being told what types of music to listen to or not to listen to, as your parents have your best interests in mind. Or heaven forbid, maybe you've been asked to shut off your cell phone because your parents want to have a face-to-face conversation. Or maybe you've been asked to spend a weekend with your in-laws when you've had something, or maybe anything, that sounded more exciting to you. But you know in your heart that it would bring your spouse great joy. Or maybe you've been around here a while, 
And we are asking you to submit to the greater vision as the, of the church as we tweak ever so slightly the styles of worship to connect with a broad audience. You know, I set out two months ago to preach out of the book of Ruth. It sounded like a great idea at the time over commitment class weekend to preach on five chapters out of an Old Testament book. Being vaguely familiar with it, I said, yep, I'll use that as the perfect picture of submission. And I figured like most uneducated men on the subject of submission, that Ruth was going to be my go-to text. And in so many ways, it, it really was. But it also became such a surprise to me as I saw the different pictures of submission and surrender, not just from Ruth, but from an elderly woman and a widow named Naomi and a powerful, well-respected man named Boaz. What I actually began to see as I studied further was a story about three people who never knew Jesus' name, but whose words and actions spoke unmistakably about who he was. And so instead of trying to squeeze in an in-depth sermon on the book of Ruth and all the details that happened, I want to simply peek into a few small windows that I believe point to each one of us in this room. While all intertwined at some level, I believe that each points to a unique picture of submission that has a message for us today. So I'd like to begin by just walking you through the events of the book of Ruth. We find ourselves in this Old Testament story in the midst of an unfortunate family dynamic. There was a man named Elimelech. Say that one three times fast. And he was married to a woman named Naomi. And they found themselves in a foreign land called Moab. Moab was a a pagan culture, a culture with many, many gods. It was not God's country. And it says that they had two sons, and these two sons took foreign wives. And it doesn't tell us how or why or what had happened, but this woman, Naomi, finds herself in a foreign land, and she loses her husband. And in the process... She doesn't just lose her husband, but she loses both of her sons. And she had heard that God was indeed providing for and taking care of his people back in Bethlehem. And so she takes her two daughters-in-law and she sets out to head back to Bethlehem in hopes that she can start a new future. And on the way back, she stops and she tells her daughters-in-law, she says, don't come with me. This road is going to be long and it's going to be hard. And she says, go back. Go back to what you know. Go back to what's comfortable. Start over. And so one of the daughters-in-law, and you can't blame her, she does. She goes back. But enter Ruth. And in a bold moment of faith, Ruth stands up and declares to Naomi, she says, no, I'm going to go with you. She says, your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. And in a new formed alliance, Naomi and Ruth make their way to Bethlehem. And we find ourselves... In the reality that God indeed was providing for his people. And it's the beginning of the harvest. And so Ruth has pledged her life to Naomi and wants to take care and provide. And so she goes out and begins to work in the fields. In the harvest. And we find ourselves in the story that, that Ruth isn't just in the fields working, but she's working hard. She's sweating it out. And Boaz enters the story. And comes to his field that he owns with his servants and all these people. And he inquires about this woman who's caught his eye. And they share with him that they had heard of this woman. Her reputation is spreading throughout the land because of her allegiance to Naomi. Her faithfulness and her hard work. 
So Boaz doesn't just let her work in his field, but he allows her special privileges. He takes care of her. He he invites her to stay in his field to protect her safety. And returning home that evening, Ruth meets Naomi. And Naomi shares with Ruth a plan. Recognizing and understanding the law that in fact her late husband's relatives could be legally responsible to take her family under their wing, prevents, presents an opportunity to Ruth. She comes up with a plan that sounds a little bit weird and a little bit crazy, but she invites Ruth at the end of the harvest season, after Boaz is celebrated and had a good meal, in good spirit, she invites him to sneak into his house late at night. And not in a promiscuous way, but, but to, to lay at the edge, at the foot of his bed, And that when he wakes up and finds her there, that in this day it was actually a way to propose and suggest marriage. And so this girl, Ruth, isn't much older than you commitment class students today. And in an act of great submission, Ruth does what she's told. And she goes and she finds herself at the foot of Boaz's bed. And upon waking up in the middle of the night to an intruder, a foreigner... A Moabite woman doesn't get angry, doesn't kick her out, doesn't become defensive, but sees an opportunity to submit to God's greater plan, to serve each other, to look out for the best interests of another. And although he is not legally responsible for this woman, he wants to make things right and do the right thing. And so the next morning, he goes to the town and through a series of events, ends up taking Ruth as his wife. And he becomes her redeemer. Now, through all the twists and turns of that story, the highlight of the story for me comes at the end. Through all these seemingly small, insignificant acts of submission that we see from Naomi, from Ruth, from Boaz, all through this story. The story ends telling us the family line of Jesus. And that, in fact, all these series of events have eventually led up to Boaz and Ruth having a son whose name was Obed, who was the father of Jesse, who was the father of David, who brought on the family line of Jesus Christ. You know, as I I think through the different people in the story and the different ways that they submitted, I, I, I want to invite you to walk through each one with me. And to try to find yourself in the midst of this story. And as I look at Naomi, the phrase came to my mind, in her we see such a beautiful picture of submission through pain. Here we have a lonely widow. A woman who knows what it's like to have everything. At one point in the story, she declares with her mouth, I know what it's like to be full. And not only does she know what it's like to be full, she knows what it's like to lose everything she's ever had. She had a husband, she had two sons, she had daughters-in-law, she had family and possessions. Now, in her day, there's something you need to understand. Family was everything. And becoming a widow in that day was not like becoming a widow today. Jesus gave special instructions to his followers on how to treat widows because they were so outcast and treated so poorly in society. 
And so without her family, if you had no family, you essentially had nothing. Women didn't have the same rights that we have today. And in losing her husband, her two sons, being abandoned by one of her daughters-in-law, we find her left with Ruth. Her only tangible sign of hope in what we see her do is not cling on to her, but she lets go of her. She sees an opportunity for Ruth and she sends her to it. And as Naomi sends her daughter out into the fields of Boaz to be redeemed and rescued, we watch her pour herself out on behalf of another. Naomi left with nothing and in her poverty is giving away all that she has. And even from ground zero, we watch her surrender to her own wants and needs and desires to make a sacrifice on behalf of another. That's submission. In her loss and her pain, she could have been selfish and angry and bitter. But instead, we find her being selfless and giving. Submitting to a God that holds all things together and makes them work for the good of those who love him. Which brings us to Ruth. And the phrase that was running through my mind as I thought about Ruth's role in the story was submission in the midst of doubt and uncertainty. A foreigner who came from a pagan culture with many gods, when met with a crossroads to return to what she knew, what was comfortable, or follow a broken, lonely widow to a foreign land, declares, where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. A woman who we watch consistently honor and respect both Naomi and Boaz. She listens as her mother-in-law tells her to go and offer herself to this man, to propose marriage. Multiple times we watch her literally bow down before Boaz's feet. She could have held a tight grip on her future, tried to make things happen, but instead she submitted to the counsel of an older godly woman who had her best interests in mind. Trusting all along that God had good things for her as she did. Which brings us to Boaz. And as I think about Boaz, he finds himself in quite a different picture than a broken, lonely widow and a foreign woman. Here we see a man with great power, well-respected, wealth. He kind of has it all. He's got servants and land and money, a good reputation. He literally has everything that he needs. And when we find him faced with an opportunity from a girl whom he can gain nothing from that he doesn't already have, he surrenders and risks everything he has to stick his neck out on the line on behalf of someone else. He could have been concerned for himself, but he was actually more concerned for the well-being of others. And I recognize that I have a broad audience today. And I, I wonder which situation do you find yourself in? Maybe you haven't lost a husband and two sons, been abandoned by a daughter-in-law, and maybe you have. But maybe you're struggling with infertility. Maybe you have been widowed. Maybe at an old age when you thought you were about to retire, you lost your job, the stock market crashed. And you find yourself angry. And you find yourself bitter. And you find yourself in pain. Or maybe you are perhaps a bit younger. And God's inviting you to submit in the midst of uncertainty. And doubt of, of what's next. And what your future holds. 
Or maybe you're established and things are great. Your kids are making straight A's. They're on the honor roll. You've got a great job. Things look good for you. I think if we look harder, we can all find ourselves in this ancient text in the book of Ruth. And as we do, and we find ourselves in the story, what we really see and what we really find is a powerful outworking of the ways in which Jesus invites us to live. No matter which story we find ourselves in. What we see hundreds of years in advance of Paul's encouragement for us to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ is Ephesians 5.21 in the flesh. In real life, in the messy, painful, difficult circumstances, one by one we watch Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz submit to one another, to others' counsel, out of reverence for God. In preparing for this weekend, I read a book called The Gospel of Ruth by Carolyn James, and and she talks about submission in this way. This is what she says. She said, submission is not an occasional event. Submission is a lifestyle. It isn't a negative obligation on women, but the natural outworking of the gospel in every Christian's life. Submission is an attribute of Jesus, so it ought to show up in all of his followers. Jesus' version of submission is thoughtful. It's strong. It's powerful. It's purposeful and sacrificial. It's redemptive, and it's the gospel. It's a way of showing Jesus to the world. I have a few questions I I want to propose to you, and, and I want to also let you know that you can find these online on our website under the message gear tool that we prepare for you every Friday. You can, you can register to receive these emails every line. There's a, there's a slide up that, that shows you how to do that. But these questions will be up on message gear for you. And, and here they are. Whether you're in a position of pain or doubt or power, I want you to ask yourselves this as we move forward from here. Why is submission a lifestyle rather than an occasional event? How does submission reflect Jesus' gospel and become a powerful force in transforming lives and relationships? And in what ways is Jesus providing opportunities for me, for you, to submit today? I hope that we don't see the powerful message of the gospel and of submission in the book of Ruth as outdated or irrelevant. And commitment class and congregation and friends, my hope is that as we navigate through life and we take up our crosses and we follow Jesus together, that we would know that there's a better way than the world's way. That in our pain or doubt or power, to know that we're destined for something more and something better than to build the good life for ourselves. That we were created to be just like Jesus. And we can't be just like Jesus if we leave out submission. Amen.